and I am a certified G and a bona fide stunt, and you can't teach that. Stop listening after you said we need a plan. I like your plan, except it sucks, so let me do the plan, and that way it might be really good. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, the People's Dynasty Podcast. On today's show, I'm going to be asking the Dynasty question, or making the Dynasty statement, help me understand. Uh, going to be flying solo on this one. Jerry is doing the work thing, and I had a guest for Monday who unfortunately was unable to join me. This is why I never mention guests beforehand, because life happens. Sometimes things come up, and sometimes we're unable to connect with the guests. So don't want anyone to have any uh, bad feelings. I certainly don't. Hopefully, we'll get a reschedule, and we'll move this a little bit further down the road. Um, Real quick, if you're watching, you're watching live on YouTube. You actually see me wearing my glasses, which are new glasses, and they double as blue blockers. So exciting to be able to see and not get all that uh, blue light from my laptop and my monitor. So exciting stuff. You can check me out in spectacles over on YouTube. And while you're there, subscribe. Just search Dynasty Warzone on YouTube, Instagram, just everywhere. And you'll find me and you'll find the show. So I'm going to jump right into it. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in the open without Jerry. I'm sure Jerry's doing great. We plan on being back here on Wednesday night doing a mock draft. We're going to mock draft the freshman, which would be the rookie class, and the sophomore class. And we're going to see where Brees Hall would go versus Kenneth Walker, now that we know more than we know. How soon would Jameer Gibbs go? How does this wide receiver class stack up the tight ends? We're going to try to do a a three-round draft. So we have that coming up tomorrow. So if you're subscribed to YouTube, you'll catch it late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. But if you're going to wait for the podcast, you're going to be waiting until Friday morning, I guess. That's when I usually launch the second show of the week. So make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. You'll never miss a thing. Last thing that I'm going to ask you for before I jump into the meat of the show is to leave a five-star rating and review. If you are on the podcast version of this, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, whatever, goes a long way if you would throw the show a five-star review. Actually, any review helps, but the five-star variety, those are, in fact, our favorite. So i uh, got a couple of bits of news I want to cover real quick, a little bit of uh a little bit of dynasty urgency out there. And on Sunday, it came out that Odell Beckham Jr. signed a deal with the Baltimore Ravens. And what are the dynasty implications of that deal? For Odell Beckham Jr., I'll be honest, that is really a a great reason to be able to sell. I would take any 2023 second for him. Um, Would I take a 24? I guess. But he's 31 years old. He's fought injuries. He's a full year removed from the game. And unlike a a Deshaun Watson or uh, even Le'Veon Bell a few years ago who held out just because of contractual issues and money, you know, he held out because he was injured. So for me, I'm looking to get out. I think this is a boost to Lamar Jackson's value. 
I think Lamar more often than not after this deal will wind up at least signing his tender with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, will he sign an extension? I don't know. If I were Lamar Jackson, I think I would. I would I would sign like a like a three year. Like they mentioned, there was a three year, hundred and thirty three million dollar guarantee out there on the table. If I were Lamar, because I can pretend I'm Lamar because he is kind of his own agent, I would simply say, look, give me three years, give me hundred and thirty five million guaranteed with the average of a hundred and uh, excuse me, with an average of 50 million, three years, 150 million makes me one of the top paid quarterbacks. I get a large percentage guaranteed and being that he's only 26, he would get another shot at this in three years where he's 29. You know, if, if I'm Lamar, I'm looking to run less. I'm looking to pass more. I would still use my legs. I would still extend plays. I would still do all of the things that I've always done. I just wouldn't look to run as much. I would refine my passing skills, and that way, the next contract. So I'd like to sign a three-year now, and then that five-year deal. In three years, get that additional deal, and as opposed to trying to get a five-year deal now, because if you get a five-year deal, and you get banged up, and you don't develop your passing at all, well, then more than likely, that's probably your last deal in, in the league, and you're out of the league at 31, 32 kind of like Cam Newton, to be honest. And I don't think that's the career path I would want to go. So I feel very comfortable picking up Lamar again in Superflex leagues. I know the deal's not signed and the deal's not done. And I also know a lot of things could happen. But I think this is a positive for Lamar's Superflex value. And then the rest of the pieces doesn't change anything for me with Mark Andrews. He's still the target one. He may be the tight end. And he may be close to being the tight end one overall in Dynasty. But for me, he's the person on this offense I want the most, more than anybody else. Like if you said Memphis, you can have one Raven. Pick a Raven, any Raven, regardless of cost, and you can have that person. For me, that would be Mark Andrews. And that doesn't change with OBJ there. Also, if I can use this news to leverage a deal to get cheaper Rashad Bateman, I'm fine with that. He's going into year three. Um, I believe this is the year they have to declare whether or not they're picking up his fifth year option. That feels right. I'm not 100% on that. But if you get Rashad Bateman and they don't pick up his option, he could be traded. He could you know, walk away in free agency. I guess in theory they could not pick up his option and then Danny dimes him, franchise tag him. So a lot of things could happen, but... I would look to be getting cheaper shot Bateman, especially during rookie drafts, you know, anywhere in the second round. I mean, I would clearly, clearly rather have like a Rashad Bateman over guys like Jalen Hyatt, Josh Downs, guys of that, you know, range of rookie wide receiver. And maybe you get a frustrated Rashad Bateman owner. Maybe you get someone who feels like OBJ's presence is going to be a pain in the ass and they just want to move on. So outside of that, I think it'll be a fun offense. I think it makes me want more AFC pieces in general, especially that AFC North. I think the Pittsburgh offense is going to be good. Said it many times. I think this is a huge boost for the Ravens overall with Lamar. Plus, they have draft capital to make some moves as well. And then, you know, Cleveland should be better. Year two for Deshaun Watson. So a really fun division should be a lot of points scored for both real football and for 
fantasy football. I'm going to stay in the division with uh, a little bit of Joe Mixon news. It came out the other day as well. I think it was Sunday. Maybe it was Saturday. That charges against Mixon had been refiled. I believe the charge was aggravated, aggravating menacing. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I didn't even stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. But it was less than lawful behavior toward a female from what I understand. Uh, no video, nothing that makes me feel like it's violence. It could be threatening. I don't know. But I do know that Alvin Kamara, literally, that videotape was out there. We just saw this past off season, but the NFL, the NFL investigators, the Saints, they've had that video since I think it was January 2022. And he played, he being Alvin Kamara, played all of the 22 season. And that video is just now coming to light. I use that as the reference as I say is that I don't think Joe Mixon is going to be suspended or have any real issues with a league mandated suspension, regardless of outcome of this case in the 2023 season. And I've always been acquiring Joe Mixon in dynasty leagues as if he was a one-year piece. Uh, during the last time this came out, I was scooping him up for seconds where I could. And I still feel, I still feel fine with that. He's only 26 years old. Um, he's had some injuries earlier in his career, so he doesn't have a ton of miles on his legs. And he's a guy that could still be a three-year piece, but I don't think all three years are going to be in Cincinnati. I know people say, well, he's, he's a cap savings. Well, at this point, the cap is pretty much baked. There's not a huge value in cutting Joe Mixon now. And if you go back and look at the, the past few years, Cincinnati does not tend to cut a lot of guys to quote-unquote save money. And currently with the cap, going into today, which is Tuesday the 11th of April, the Bengals have the ninth most cap space in the league. And in next year, they have the sixth most cap space in the league. Now, I know next year they've got to potentially re-sign T. Higgins. They've got to extend Joe Burrow. I really see the Bengals, and I think they, they being the GM and the head coach, Zach Taylor, I think these guys are looking at it as, this is our last year with this core group. Now, do I think the Bengals draft a running back? They've got to do something, whether that it's bringing in Zeke, whether that's bringing in Leonard Fournette, whether that's bringing in a rookie. Someone's coming in. They lost Samaje Pirine. I don't think Captain America Chris Evans is really the RB2 they want to lean on. They could. I would love it. I have a bunch of cheap Chris Evans out there on the back end of some dynasty rosters. That would be cool with me. But I don't think this team is willing to go into the 2023 season knowing this could be the last, I don't want to say last, because this is a really talented team, but this is the last cheap year they're really going to be able to go all in toward trying to get back to a Super Bowl. Lost to the to the Kansas City Chiefs last year, lost in the Super Bowl the year before. I think this team feels like it's in the window, and I think Joe Mixon is part of that. So I think he's safe in Cincinnati for this year. After that, who knows? He could be suspended the first eight games of 2024. But for right now, if I'm a contender, I'm looking to acquire him, and I'm looking to acquire him cheap. What's cheap? Mid-seconds and in on. Um, I would throw maybe a second and a third next year. But Joe Mixon is going to be playing football in 2023. At least that's my opinion. 
And that's going to bring me into the next segment of the show, which is going to be the mock draft that we're doing. I'll keep this super short, super sweet. So us, us being the patrons over at patreon.com forward slash dynasty Warzone, we're in the middle of a startup right now. It's patron 17. We've never had a league fold. We've always filled them. Uh, a lot of times we use orphans as a welcome gift. It's like, hey, welcome to the patron. Here's a team for you to work on. But it's fun. It's it's a great way for new patrons to get to meet existing patrons. That's on top of the group chat. And right now, with some of our newer patrons, we're doing a IDP Superflex startup. You got to start two tight ends. Uh, I'm starting two quarterbacks. I can't speak for everybody in the league, but I'm going to be starting two quarterbacks. And there's more leagues to come. So if you're looking for a great group chat, a great group of people, uh, a place to play in safe leagues, we don't play for super expensive stakes. Uh, we have some. We have some that you know are middle middle class middle class leagues, but for the most part, they're fun leagues. They're a great way to meet people. And if you've ever said to yourself, listening to this podcast is like, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. I could beat this guy in Dynasty Fantasy Football. If you believe it, come on over. Come over and play in a Dynasty League. Play in a Patron League with me. Patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone. So I don't have a good people bad tweets for you. Um, Again, I don't go looking for them. I don't create bad tweets where there's not. Didn't really see anything. Maybe I'll have something for tomorrow night's extra show with our main man, Jerry. But tonight... I, I want to talk about the statement, help me understand. Now, this is a statement that at one time I absolutely hated someone saying to me. And it's a statement that I wished I had never taught my wife because now she actually uses this against me. Help me understand. Where I first learned this phrasing was years ago. I worked with a gentleman named Dave. Dave was an incredibly charismatic leader. Uh, taught me a lot about business, a lot about leadership, a lot about mentoring. But Dave had a couple of them. And it was not just this one. Another one that Dave was really a a uh, a fan of was, if I need to do it, what do I need you for? And that was a great learning lesson as a young leader. It's like you can't get down in the weeds and do everything for the people that work for you. But But help me understand. So if something was off, it could, be, it could have been sales. It could have been a person issue. It could have, could have been a multitude of things. But David, Dave, would have said, help me understand. Hey, we're down 10% to last year. Help me understand what's going on. And sometimes Dave already had an answer or Dave already had a theory as to why the business was down, the business was up, whatever it was. He, he was asking that as a way of expecting me to understand what was going on with our business, whether it be our people, our process, our profit, whatever you want to talk about, help me understand. And I was thinking about Dave the other day. He sent me a text on Easter and I just smiled and I thought of help me understand. And if I need to do it, what do I need you for? So I was like, because everything for me always circles back to, to dynasty fantasy football, it feels like. And it was like, What's helped me understand about Dynasty? When I say help me understand and I say Dynasty fantasy football, you know, what's helped me understand? And it made me start questioning some ADP. Help me understand. So for me, I'm going to ask you the question or 
I'm going to give you the statement, help me understand, the same way Dave used to do it to me. And it's not designed for you to actually message me. If you want to, go to this YouTube video. It's under live videos. Find it and leave me your explanation as to why you think the the three guys I'm talking about are where they are. So I'm going to jump right into this one. My first, help me understand. Help me understand why Russell Wilson is barely a QB2. So you, listener, yes, you, you the person in your car, at your computer, doing your job, running a chainsaw, driving a truck, getting your kid to baseball or soccer practice, you, help me understand why Russell Wilson's barely a QB2 because I can't figure it out. I have a lot of data points here. Um, I used three separate ranking services to get the ADP I'm going to use for all three of these guys tonight. I used Fantasy Pros. I used Mike Clay of ESPN's Top 240. And I've used Pro Football Focus. Why? Because when you Google Dynasty rankings, they're at the top and they're free. So I will jump into it. Russ, per Fantasy Pros, is QB19. For Mike Clay of ESPN, he is also QB19. And the good people over at Pro Football Focus have him as QB26 for this little ranking average that has him as the QB24. So I'll say again, help me understand why Russell Wilson is barely a QB2. I get it. He finished his QB16 last year. He he finished his QB15 the year before that. But are we taking into consideration his previous finishes? Let me read you the eight seasons prior to that, what his finishes were. So QB8 overall, QB3 overall, QB3 overall, QB10, QB1 overall, QB9, QB3 overall, QB6. This is a guy for literally eight years has been a QB1, including the QB1 overall. When I say QB1, RB1, wide receiver one, I'm really referring to a guy that has the capability or has the, the resume of finishing in the top 12 at the position. Now, two years ago, he had the broken finger. He had the quote-unquote mallet finger where he broke a finger, but he only missed like three, three and a half games with that finger. And had he not missed that time, he's right there in that pocket, right? He's right there in that QB 8 to 10 range. Very typical for Russ. Now, last year, traded to Denver. We were all excited. We were all excited Russ was going to have a big year last year, and he finished as the QB 16. But again, he missed time. He missed two full games, and he missed part of another game. You you take into his averages, and had he played all of the games, he would have been in that QB 13 range, nestled quietly between like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, if I remember correctly. So again, Russ typically doesn't miss a lot of time. It's been very odd the last couple of years. But based on his track record, I don't think he should be QB 21. Well, then you might say, well, Memphis, he's getting older. And I would come back, we all are. But with modern medicine and and Russ's income, he may play till he's 97 years old. And and I say that jokingly. That's a quote from Ricky Bobby, if you know, you know. But let me read you a quote about Russ from Vanity Fair. And he says, it's a lifestyle. I think when you're trying to play as long as I'm trying to play, and I'm trying to play to the age of 45. And this was in reference to Russ spending just about a million bucks or more a year 
on his body because he wants to play until he's 45. So he wants to play for a long time. Okay, so he is getting older, but he is doing the work. I don't think he's Tom Brady avocado ice cream guy, but I think he's, I think he's doing pretty well taking care of himself. But then I look at his contract extension. So last year with the Broncos, when he when he landed in Denver, he signed a five-year, $240 million deal. And the dead cap numbers tell me he's not going anywhere. His dead cap number this year, which obviously he's not going anywhere this year, but his dead cap number is $107 million. And in 2024, it drops, drops in quotes, drops to $85 million. And then in 2025, it drops to $50 million. Now, does he play out all five years of this extension? I really don't know, but I do know that he's not going anywhere for three years. And in those three years, he should be playing with Sean Payton. And that's the next thing that, that I, that I want to throw in here is Sean Payton. You know, they gave up a first round for a head coach. Why would you do that? Well, Sean Payton's offenses have been top 10 in just about everything for as far back as I can remember, whether that's passing yards, passing touchdowns, scoring. Sean Payton builds offenses that can succeed. Now, does that mean that Russ is going to be the next coming of Drew Brees? I don't think so. Uh, A, Drew Brees played in a dome eight games a year, and actually nine because he played one game of, of the season in Atlanta. So is he getting nine guaranteed indoor games a year? No, but he he is going to be playing in a division where he's going to have to compete with the likes of Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. So I like the head coach. I don't want to make this a head coaching narrative. I don't want to make this a division narrative. Um, still got great teammates as of today. Again, April 11th, he's got Jerry Judy. He's got Cortland Sutton. He's got Dulcich, the, the, the second-year tight end. He's got Albert O. And I think we all know Albert O stands for Oak Week Boonham. I don't think I said that anywhere near correctly. So that's why I stick to Albert O. But, you know, these are all, you know, good receiving options and then they put a ton of resources into their offensive line especially up the middle where did Sean Payton protect Drew Brees up the middle guard center guard and in free agency the Broncos really fortified those three positions Drew Brees was a shorter quarterback Russell Wilson is a shorter quarterback the thing of it is is that Russell's more mobile and he can extend plays deeper down the field uh, do I think I get Drew Brees QB1 overall upside? I don't think so at 35 with Russ anymore, but he's a guy that's clearly, in my opinion, if he stays healthy in this offense, he shouldn't be QB6-ish, 7. So I, I think you add it all up, and you know he's between PFF and Mike Clay and, and Fantasy Pros, they have him as the, the aggregate QB21. He's going behind guys like Geno Smith, Guys like Trey Lance, Trey Lance may not even play football this year. There's a real chance where if he stays on the 49ers and Brock Purdy's healthy, you may not see Trey Lance at all. I, I can't understand it. And he's behind Derek Carr. Not Derek Carr with Sean Payton in New Orleans, but just Derek Carr in New Orleans under a defensive-minded head coach. We all thought this was going to work out for Jameis, and, and I like Derek Carr, but I don't understand how in a dynasty startup you could have Russell Wilson behind these guys. To me, this is the... This is the epitome of a buy low. This is the epitome of a of a buy low on a proven player with a proven offensive minded head coach and a, a proven guy that you're going to get for three years. The contract says you're getting Russ for three years. 
Denver needs to make this work. Sean Payton needs to make this work. Russ needs to make this work. And I think that we're all way too low on Russell Wilson. So again, help me understand why Russell Wilson is barely a QB2 in a dynasty startup. So I uh, that's my first one. And, and my next one, my next one, help me understand, is help me understand why T. Higgins is a borderline wide receiver one. Because I don't get it. Is he good? Absolutely. Fantasy Pros has him as the wide receiver nine. Mike Clay has him as his dynasty wide receiver 16. I personally am more in line with Mr. Clay. The folks at PFF has him as their wide receiver 13, which gives him an aggregate of wide receiver 13 across those three rankers and ranking services. And, and you might say, well, Memphis, the reason why T. Higgins is a, is a wide receiver one on that borderline there at wide receiver 13 on average is because he's in the offense tied to Joe Burrow. And, and I think that's true, but I, I think that's also kind of the lazy narrative because my pushback to, to that would be is, hasn't T. Higgins always been in the NFL with Joe Burrow? I know his rookie year, he lost Burrow, I don't know, like halfway, two-thirds of the way through. He got nuked against the Washington Commanders. But in his rookie year, in PPR, he finished as the wide receiver 28. Well, okay, he lost Joe Mixon, so that would have impacted him. He was a rookie. What about year two? Oh, well, year two, they, they drafted Jamar Chase in the top five, and Jamar Chase finished as the wide receiver five as a rookie. So where did T. Higgins finish? Wide receiver 24. Oh, but but last year, maybe last year he would have had a better year, right? He was, you know, Chase missed three or four or five games, whatever it was, with a hip pointer. And, you know, he missed a bunch of time. Well, you'd be right in the fact that he did have a career year. He finished as the wide receiver 19 last year. But Jamar Chase missed more games than him and finished as the wide receiver 11. I don't get it. I'm always going to be hesitant and push back when we say that the second wide receiver, even in a really good offense, should be a top 12, a wide receiver one in dynasty. I don't get it. I'll push back against Devonta Smith too. As long as A.J. Brown's there and healthy, Dallas Goddard's there and healthy, it's going to be hard for him. Is he going to finish in that 12 to 18 range? Yes, he is every year. And I, I think that I feel comfortable saying that barring injury to either the wide receiver in this case or the quarterback. But I'm also going to push back is that he doesn't have that ceiling. He's not going to break through. And, and I look at the first three years of, of T. Higgins' career, and he's he's been pretty consistent. You know, his rookie year, he played 16 games, sophomore year, 14 games, last year, 16. Uh, and then all three years, he was listed as a starter in 14 games. And then his targets, 108, 110, 109, his receptions. 67, 74, 74. His yardage, 900, 1100, 1030. His touchdowns, six, six, seven. I mean, we're, we're, we're almost to a contract extension and he is what he is. Now, could he be a wide receiver one if he got traded to a different team? 100%, without question. If he got traded to the New York Giants and became the New York Giants and Danny Dimes and, and Brian Dayball's unchallenged wide receiver one supported by a bunch of guys, you betcha. I would have to reevaluate my personal rankings. But as long as he's in Cincinnati and as long as he's opposite Jamar Chase, and 
I think they brought in a better pass catching tight end this year in Irv Smith versus Hayden Hurst, who was there last year. And and depends on where you get your rankings, you would have to go to these services yourself. In some cases, these services have him ahead of Chris Alave. Never would I ever. DK Metcalf, not for me. I know DK Metcalf will be more streaky, but I know DK Metcalf is going to win me weeks, 100%. Michael Pittman, I think they're pretty close, but I know that Michael Pittman is, as of today, the one in his offense. Same with Terry McLaren, same with Drake London. And depending on which ranking service you look at, these are the type of wide receivers that these services have ahead, or excuse me, behind T. Higgins. Can't do it. Help me understand why we have T. Higgins so high. So that's going to be my question for you. My last question for you, and I do, by the way, real quick, um, I'm trying to run the board, run the show sheet, um, and and do a lot of things. But I I want to thank Mike and Rich because those guys are absolutely going crazy in the chat. And I really appreciate the engagement, guys. I really do. Um, I can't answer all your questions because without Jerry here to fill in some talk and it's hard to get to them, but I appreciate the love. Um, And my final help me understand, and this one's maybe even one I can't answer for you, but it's one I want you to think about at the the running back position in in whole. And that's help me understand why Christian McCaffrey is still a top five RB for Dynasty. For the folks at Fantasy Pros, he's their RB3. For both Mike Clay and Pro Football Focus, he is their five. So that gives him an average of running back 4.5. And I don't blame these rankers for having this high. I blame the NFL. I blame the NCAA. I blame the the devaluation of the running back position as a whole. I blame bad coaching at all levels. And I blame the running back by committee. They're all really to blame for us not having enough good running backs to where we still feel obligated as rankers to put a guy like Christian McCaffrey going into his seventh season as the running back four or five. Now, I do get why people are reinvigorated and re-energized on CMC. He's coming off of not a career year. His career year was 2019, but this year he finished with uh, a a second seasonal best in things like rushing attempts, he had 244 rushing yards. He had 1,139. He had eight rushing touchdowns. These are all the second best numbers of his career. He had his third best in receiving categories. He had 108 targets. He had 85 catches, and he had 741 yards, and his five touchdowns was in that range as well. So he's coming off a really good campaign, and he's not even 27. As I record this podcast now in April, he won't be 27 until until June. So you may say from a dynasty standpoint, if we're building in, in three-year arcs, you may say, well, I get age 27, age 28, age 29. I get him in a Kyle Shanahan offense. I get him with Debo. I get him with Ayuk. I get him with Kittle. And, and I get all that. But I think 2022 is the light shining brightest that makes us forget that in 2017, he got injured. In 2020, he got injured. I think it also makes us forget a couple of things about the San Francisco offense. No running back under Kyle Shanahan has led that team in rushing two years in a row. Can McCaffrey be the first? Maybe. Um, Will he succumb to the same injury history of all the other Shanahan running backs in San Francisco? Really don't know. But I do know that five is too high for me. 
I'll read you my personal top five running backs. And for me, number one is still Jonathan Taylor. I know a lot of people want to put Bijan, Brees, Kenneth Walker, and I respect that, but I'm 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 still an old school Ric Flair fan. And Ric Flair once famously said, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And I get Jonathan Taylor. I don't think he's even 24 going into his fourth year. Um, should be an improved offense under Shane Steichen. Should get a QB upgrade. Should be a good season for Jonathan Taylor if he stays healthy. I have Brees Hall as my RB2. Kenneth Walker is my three. And with those guys, I go back and forth. Um, I really like Kenneth Walker. I like what I saw last year. Uh, got great news this year from the GM. We got great news uh, this week from the head coach, Robert Sala, saying that he looks great, that he's he's ready to go. Um, so good news on Brees. I have Bijan as my four. And some people might say I'm too low on, on Bijan Robinson. I think I'm actually being quite fair. Uh, for me, he's never played it down in the NFL. And I know he looked great in college. But his um, player profiler, they have a tremendous thing. They're, they're, they're breakout finder. And they showed his level of competition in college. And it was one of the lowest ones ever. And again, air quotes, that's my reason to knock him is that he's not really played the toughest of competition. Would, would I have liked it more if he played in the Big Ten, the SEC? Sure. But I can't change that. The dude's really talented. The dude's really amazing. And at the end of next season, I'll have to reevaluate my rankings. If he comes in like a ball of fire, like Brees Hall did, like Kenneth Walker did, Jonathan Taylor doesn't get back on track, I'll, up J I'll update and change my rankings as I need to. But those are my top four. And I think those should be the top four for just about everybody. I do have Barkley as my five. Uh, I, I, I think he's just a little bit safer than, than Christian McCaffrey. And I trust Brian Dayball and that offense just a little bit more than I do Kyle Shanahan. But RB5 is where I pool a lot of guys. I think they all have a wart of some sort, whether that wart be age, whether it be years of service, injury concerns in their background, or some other picadillo on their resume that just puts them in that tier. You know, it's it is for me guys like Saquon. It is guys like Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler. Um, then right there, kind of behind those guys, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard. So if if I can find a league mate that values Christian McCaffrey just a little bit more than Austin Eckler, kind of Austin Eckler is basically on a one-year deal. He's on a prove-it deal, so he can try to get paid next year. Cool. Can I get something plus on top of Christian McCaffrey? Can I get last year's RB1 overall plus something for another guy, same draft class, similar age, similar service, Little, a little, see that's the word, a little less concerning about the injury th th than Christian McCaffrey. Not by a lot. He seems like a, he's more of a soft tissue guy. Um, how about Josh Jacobs? Josh Jacobs is on a, on a franchise tag, so that kind of makes him on a one-year deal. You know, it's his fifth year in the league. He's not that old. Can I get him plus a first? Can I get him plus a 24 first for Christian McCaffrey? If I can, I'm going to do it because I'm just trying to replace Christian McCaffrey's points in my in my roster, in my starting lineup every week, but maybe I can get something plus down the road. Would I consider a 24 first? Maybe. Same with Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard, unlike some of these other guys, makes me a little bit nervous because I feel like Tony Pollard, I promise you this, if B. John Robinson is on the board at 25 or 6, wherever the hell 
Dallas is drafting, I have a feeling that that Jerry pulls that trigger. And if Jerry does, that's going to hurt the value of Tony Pollard. So that's kind of why I have him on the back end of this tier. And then Travis Etienne. I want to put him in that tier with Jacobs, Pollard, Etienne. But it makes me nervous. He had so many opportunities to do more and be more consistent, and he didn't. But in fairness to him, last year was kind of his rookie year coming off that shot campaign. And so I, I'm, I'm giving him a pass. So that's a pretty good company to have ETN. But I'm looking to get all of those type of guys plus to be able to really get those points, but also build for the future. So there you go, guys. Help me understand. Don't teach that to your wife because if you teach that to your wife and you know you forget to put away the dishes, help me understand why the dishes aren't put away. If you want to go down that rabbit hole, God bless you. But if you're in management, like my good friend Jerry, who happened to jump into jump into the chat, you know what? You can look at someone that you work with and say, help me understand. Help me understand why you put that job out late. Help me understand why this didn't get done. Help me understand. It, maybe you own the company. Maybe you own a landscaping company and you're listening to this on your mower and your guys did not do a good job. Huddle them together. Guys, help me understand what happened. Doesn't have to be a bad thing. It could be an informative thing. Maybe they didn't realize. It's it's a great way to think about things. So so when you start thinking about when you start doing it, sometimes you ask this question internally. You know, you get a shitty trade offer. I got one literally before I sat down to do this podcast. I got offered Geno Smith for a 24 first and second. And I wanted to send that person a, a, a little note back saying, help me understand why I would accept this. I have two quarterbacks and I have a fringe third. So help me understand how A, you come to this valuation and B, how this helps me. Sometimes you can internalize it. Sometimes you can externalize it. But help me understand is a great phrase to use, not only in business. Try to avoid it with your marriage. Don't do it to your wife. You've been warned. Uncle Memphis has warned you. Do not look at your wife and say, help me understand. Help me understand why there's another Amazon box on this porch. Help me understand why Junior was late to soccer practice. No, no, no. That's that's bad news bears. So use it where you need to, but always ask questions. Help me understand. You can do it on Twitter. You don't like someone's post? Help me understand. That's kind of the unofficial genesis of good people, bad tweets. But anyway, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to be back tomorrow with my main man. You know him as the man of the hour and the man with the power, Mr. Jerry Sinclair. We're going to be doing some mock drafting tomorrow. And then our boys from the Dynasty War Games, they did a show. Again, if you were on YouTube, you kind of would have already saw it. Talking about let's talk about trade. So if you want to get some trade perspective from our buddies, Chad and Mike, head over to YouTube. You can get that now. Because if not, I'm not going to drop it on a podcast until Thursday. And if you want to get Jerry and I mock drafting, you can get that on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and you don't have to wait until Friday. So all of these are available. Head over to YouTube, subscribe. Great way to help the show. Another way to help the show, leave a rating and review. Five star, iTunes, Google Podcast, Spotify, wherever. You can leave some notes, anything you want. And I'm going to be doing something with reviews uh, with a new show. Can't get too far into that now. That'll probably be this coming Sunday. Jerry and I will finally be able to do it. And then finally, the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Dynasty Warzone. I've checked my phone 
a couple of times throughout this podcast, seeing if I was on the clock. I thought maybe we'd do a, a live draft pick right here on the show, but didn't materialize. If if you want to learn more about our patron leagues, do we have any orphans? DM me at DWZ Memphis. I'll be happy to answer any questions. And since I've gotten a ton of great feedback, I'm going to jump back into the live stream with Rich and Jerry and Mike and try to answer some of their questions if the technology will allow me. And I'm going to get this posted. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for putting up with a solo show. A lot of Dynasty Warzone left to go this week. War Games on Thursday, bonus show from Jerry and I on Friday. Then we'll go into another weekend and we'll be just over, just actually just under two weeks away from the NFL draft. So until next time, hope you guys have a great week. I'll catch up with you soon. Take care. Hey, fellow Warzone listeners. My name is Zach Camps. Uh, I'm not golfing or slinging my hands a monster. I'm usually thinking about Dynasty Fantasy Football. A couple months back, I joined the Patreon just to take my Dynasty passion to the next level. And I'll tell you what, well, let's just say there's writer downers for days in the Patreon. The member, you get access to the bonus pod where the guys take the filter off and talk about a wide variety of topics that maybe they won't cover on the normal show. You also get access to Memphis and Jerry for one-on-one advice, personal dynasty dilemmas. They'll tackle them for you, help you out with it. You just don't get that anywhere else. But I'd say my favorite part about the Depth of Patreon is the uh, the group chat. Tell you what, these guys are some excellent minds, tons of fun. The fire in there is amazing. Great platform to post trade questions, debate rookie values, share insight, interact with some cool people from across the globe. You know, Shout out to those guys in Australia. They're blowing my phone up all the time. You know, the best part is there's no Twitter trolls or Facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about. So uh, if you want to enjoy your dynasty experience even more, win those championships, pause the podcast right now, sign up, and you can thank me later in the group chat. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. a game yesterday and if we win one today that's two in a row we win one tomorrow that's called a winning streak